Well, good morning. Good morning. Oh, that was pitiful. Good morning. Much better. How are y'all today? Everybody doing good? Are we? Are we sure? Well, my name is Dave Shive, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's truly my honor to be with you here this morning. Do you ever feel like that commercial? Like you're constantly at battle with yourself. See, I don't know about you, but for me, it feels like that no matter what obstacles and and trials life throws at me, I often find that the biggest obstacle that I have to overcome is myself. And it isn't that life doesn't throw some wicked curveballs at us, because it does, but what I usually find out is that I can recover from those things that life throws at me. But when you get down to the core of who I am, those things that I constantly struggle with, that sin that is always in my life, that sin that is mine and mine alone, there's this intense battle that rages inside of me. And most of the time I feel like I'm just not able to overcome myself. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today as we wrap up our series on intersections. For the past few weeks, if you've been with us, we've been talking about these seemingly opposite ideas or concepts that intersect, and we look at what the Bible has to say about them, what perspective God has on those concepts. And if you haven't been here, I highly recommend that you go to our web uh, site or go to our podcast and download the the sermons that we've done for the past few weeks because they've been really good. But today, we're going to talk about where the spirit and the flesh intersect. So let me ask you a question. If there is one thing that you could change about yourself, what would it be? What would you change? And I'm not talking about physical appearance. I'm talking about something deep inside of you, something that you struggle with, because we all struggle with something. I don't know anyone who doesn't struggle in some area of life. See, some of us, we struggle greatly with anger because we blow up at our kids or at our spouse for no reason at all. And then we feel so guilty for doing so, and we wish we could take those words back. Some of us struggle with self-worth. I mean, we're constantly looking towards others for approval. And because we do that, we become people-pleasers instead of God-pleasers. Some of us struggle with bitterness because we just can't seem to let go of that pain and hurt that somebody else has caused us. Some of us struggle with selfishness. We find it hard to share our time and our energy and our resources with others, much less give back to God and serve in ministry. Some of us struggle with balance in our lives. Our schedules are so busy that we have no time for family, much less time for God. Some of us struggle with lust, and we go to places on the internet we should never, ever go. Some of us struggle with laziness. We procrastinate and procrastinate, and we lack the motivation to do what is necessary to be done. Some of us struggle with gossip. It gives us significance, and it makes us feel important being in the know about everybody else. Some of us struggle with judging. We look at the outward appearance, and we mentally criticize other people about the way they look or about their personality because we're only looking at the surface, not really knowing what's going on inside of them. See, some of us struggle with being a good parent, a good spouse, a good employee, a good boss. 
a good student, a good friend, a good example, a good follower of Christ, and the list goes on and on. We all struggle with something. And let me say this, with whatever you struggle with, I want you to know this, you are not alone in your struggles. You're not alone. Because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to see the crushed spirit of my son after I've crossed a line of anger that I should have never crossed. I know what it's like to be selfish and be all about myself. I know what it's like to fight the battle against lust and feel the immense guilt that comes when you lose that battle. I know what it's like to hold on to bitterness as it destroys you from the inside out. I know what it means to be so busy that you forget what your kids look like. So you're not alone. You're not alone, but that's what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy wants you to believe that you and you alone are fighting your battle and that nobody else is in it with you. But what I've found is that when you peel back the layers on, peel back the layers on somebody, when you break through that image that we all present to the world, when you get past surface conversations and you get to the core of who a person is, I find that we're all broken on the inside. All of us are broken. And although I may not struggle with some of the things that you struggle with, and although you may have overcome some of the things that I struggle with, the truth remains is that we all still struggle with something. And for me, one of my biggest struggles right now is with my weight. And some of you might be saying, well, that's not really a big deal. But it is a big deal. Because the Bible's really clear that gluttony is a sin. And I know we don't talk about it a lot because fellowship and fried chicken has always been a part of church, right? At least it was that way growing up as a kid. But this is a big problem for me. It's a problem because it's a lack of self-control on my part. It's laziness on my part. But probably the biggest issue for me is that food comes between me and God and what God wants me to be. See, I turn to food for comfort instead of God. And when I'm stressed, I eat. And when I'm emotionally down, I eat. When I'm bored, I eat. And because I'm overweight, it causes deep depression within me. And it begins to affect the relationship with my, with my wife and my son and my friends. See, I'm already an introvert. That's my personality, to be an introvert. And being overweight causes me to want to withdraw even further. So how effective am I really? I mean, how effective am I really as an introverted pastor who shies away from being around people in a job that's all about people? And I've tried everything. Believe me, I have tried. There is not a diet or a program out there that I have not tried and failed at. I just can't seem to overcome no matter what I do. And I hate it. I loathe it. And I pray about it all the time. And I mean all the time. It's a daily conversation that God and I have. And I pray for deliverance. And I pray for strength. And I pray for willpower. And I pray that God will give me the desire to do what I need to do. 
And I tell God I don't know what to do. I tell Him He has to show me what to do. And the truth is, God has given all of those things to me. See, the path is clearly laid out before me. Because I've heard all the advice from doctors and nurses and dietitians, personal trainers. Everybody has an opinion, professional or not, on how I can lose weight. Everybody does. But I know what to do. See, it's not rocket science. Eat less. Eat better. Exercise more. How it's packaged doesn't matter. The principle is the same. The principle that was set up by God. The problem is, is I just don't seem to know what I should do and how to do it. It's a constant battle that I wake up and face every day. So what do you struggle with? Because we all have those things we just can't seem to overcome in our lives no matter what we do. And if somebody says they don't struggle then I know that they're struggling with lying. Because ultimately at the core of all of us is this raging battle of the spirit versus the flesh that we all have. And nobody is immune to it. Nobody is immune. Even Paul, the amazing apostle of the Gentiles, author of most of the New Testament, the one guy that seemingly has it all together, struggled in this battle. And he talks about his struggle in Romans chapter 7. So if you've got a Bible or you've got an app on your phone, turn to Romans 7. We're going to be in there a lot today. And we're going to start at verse 15. Now I'm going to be reading out of the message. And I normally don't use the message translation when I do a Bible study because it's not a word-for-word translation. It's great for casual reading, but it's not the best for in-depth Bible study. But I wanted to use it today because it really gets across the meaning of what Paul's trying to say and the point I'm trying to make. So let's look at verse 15. Paul says this. He says, What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I mean, I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but then I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. And I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? I can't tell you how much comfort these verses give me. Because here is Paul, 
the man with amazing faith, an apostle who met Jesus face to face, Paul, the amazing church planner who planted so many churches and who God used to bring the gospel to countless generations of believers. Paul, who said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul, who endured beatings, stoning, and persecution like we've never seen yet said his suffering was worth it. Paul, who sat in shackles in a prison in immense pain and sung praises to God. Paul, as mature in his faith as they come, understanding clearly God's word and completely dedicated to the Lord, saying that he struggles the same way that I do. See, in these verses, Paul is describing what I believe goes on in every believer. And I believe that it only goes on in a follower of Christ because this is where spirit and flesh intersect, only in a believer of Christ. Because when you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live with inside of you. And immediately this war begins, this war between spirit and flesh. Now at the beginning of this battle, it might not seem like so much of a struggle. And oftentimes God delivers new believers from things in their lives almost immediately. And this isn't scriptural, but it seems to be true. It seems to be the trend that I notice. But God seems to answer the prayers of new believers almost immediately as well. And I think that's for a reason. I think God delivers them and answers their prayers so quickly because I think God is doing that to strengthen their faith because they're new to the faith. And God is showing, I am faithful. And He's proving Himself to them. But what I've come to find is that the longer you're on this journey with Christ, the harder it becomes. I mean, I think back to my journey when I first accepted Christ. And I remember at the beginning, God was making some very major changes in my life. But those changes weren't so hard to do. They weren't so hard to make. They were simple things, at least for me they were. Like going to church every week. Being a greeter and helping in youth and giving up the party scene and changing my language and the way I speak and changing the things I watch and the things I put in my mind. I mean, those things seem to go very quickly and seem to happen very fast. But now, it seems like God has gotten all that excess out of the way and He's begun to work on the core of who I am, working on the sin that's hardwired in me. Personality kind of things. Things like anger and selfishness and lust and overeating. It's kind of like the way an artist creates a sculpture. See, at the very beginning, the carver starts with a very large stone, and he begins knocking off large portions of unwanted stone. And most sculptors, they work very rhythmically, turning the tool with each blow so that the stone is removed quickly and evenly. This is called the roughing out stage in sculpture. And once they have the general shape of that statue has been determined, the sculptor uses other tools to refine the figure. And generally, they use shallower strokes at this point. And eventually, the sculptor has changed the stone from a rough block to the general shape of the finished statue. Then other tools are used to enhance the shape to its final form. And here's where the process really slows down because the details of the statue are being refined. And he's very careful about what chips he takes out. 
And then the final stage of the carving process is polishing. It's an intensive, multi-step process where different grits of sandpaper are used. And this abrasion or wearing away brings out the color of the stone. And it reveals the patterns and the surface, and it adds a sheen. And then finally, the masterpiece is finished. And this is what God is doing to us. See, we are in the process of being sculpted into the image of Jesus Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And it's that process of transformation, the point where we get to the details of the sculpture. When God begins to work on the core of who we are, that's when the battle is the fiercest. That's when it's the hardest. That's why I believe we live with such tension between sin and righteousness because we have the divine nature of God within us. See, we now possess the Spirit-given desire to be conformed to Christ's own image and to be made perfect in righteousness. But sin still clings to our humanness. Although in our inner being, we hate it and we despise it. See, we've passed from darkness to light and we now share in Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and eternal life. But as we grow to be more like Christ, we become more and more aware of the continued power and presence of indwelling sin, which we long to be rid of. We long to be rid of it. And this is where Paul is at. Paul is so far along in his walk with Jesus Christ. He is so mature in his understanding of what God's trying to transform him in that he realizes how far away he is from what God wants him to be. And he sees that it's just impossible. That he can't do it on his own. He can't do it in his own flesh. He can't overcome to the point where he says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. And I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? And then in the next verse, Paul answers his own question. And he says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. See, it is only in the power of Christ that we have the ability to overcome the sinful nature of our flesh. That battle that rages inside of us can be won. See, we can overcome through Christ. The core of who we are can be transformed through Christ. We can have patience with our kids. We can love our spouses better. We can resist lust. We can be unselfish. We can be all in for God. We can stop gossiping. We can let go of bitterness. We can forgive. We can have self-control and lose weight. We can conquer sin through Christ Jesus. But there's a key. And this is the most important part. We have to submit 
and live life God's way. Here's what Paul says in chapter 8. So there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same living Spirit within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. See, this is the solution. Living life by the Spirit of God. That is how we overcome. By submitting to God's way of life and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Look back at verse 6. I want you to look at this. Because I think this is the key verse to the whole passage. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. See, when we let our sinful nature have control, it leads to death. Now, I don't think Paul is talking about the eternal death that comes from not following Christ. Because he's talking about those who have the Spirit of God within them. So I think he's talking about believers here. And he could be talking about physical death because a lot of the sin that we hold on to does have consequences on our physical bodies. And it can hasten a physical death. But what I really think he's talking about here is death in the way that we live and think. See, a person that lets their sinful nature control them lives a life without purpose and meaning. There's no joy in life for them. Life is full of chaos and stress. But a person allowing the Spirit to control their mind lives a life of peace and joy and contentment. And the key word for me in this verse is letting. See, we have a choice. Christ's sacrifice for us gives us the choice of what path we want to take. See, Paul makes it clear earlier in Romans that those who do not choose God have no choice. 
Sin rules in their life. They are a slave to sin. They cannot choose otherwise. But for us, those that follow Christ, we have the choice. We're no longer slaves to our sin. The question is, what are we allowing to control our mind? Is it the spirit or is it the flesh? In other words, what are you feeding the most? I want you to look at this picture and tell me which one wins out. Which one of these guys went out? It's the one that gets the most food, right? It's the one that is nurtured and grown to become big. That kid is not going to overcome that giant in a day. He has to be nurtured. It's taking that time daily to feed and cultivate the spirit side of us that makes the difference. Because the bigger one wins out. If your flesh consumes you, it wins out. If the spirit consumes you, it wins out. The problem is, is most of the time we don't see immediate results. We don't see drastic results when we start feeding the Spirit because it takes time, it takes energy, and it takes focus for it to pay off. You have to grow bigger than your flesh. And a lot of time the battle is won in those little bitty decisions that we make in our life. Those little decisions, the decision that says, I'm going to get up today, I'm going to read God's Word today. The decision that says, I'm going to spend some time talking with my father today. The decision that says, I'm going to get up and go to church today. The decision that says, I'm going to put net nanny on my computer so I don't go to bad places. The decision that says, I'm going to ask a friend for accountability to help walk with me in this struggle. The decision not to eat a piece of chocolate cake. Andy Stanley has this great book that talks about this. It's called The Principle of the Path. And it's about the decisions that we make in our lives and that every little decision we make leads to a destination. See, one day we wake up and we go, how did I get here? How did I get here? But if we look back on all the little decisions that we made, we can see the path of how we got here. In other words, I didn't just wake up today and have a hundred extra pounds on me. It took time for me to get here. Time and a thousand little decisions made in the wrong direction. Because the truth is I've been feeding my flesh way too much instead of feeding the Spirit. And I think this is where the problem is for a lot of us. We don't feed the spirit side of us enough. See, we don't tap into the amazing power that God has given us. And we don't use the tools that he's provided us. And if I'm being honest, a lot of the time, actually most of the time, I just give up. I give up. Because it's too massive to overcome. When I look at the amount of weight that I need to lose and how much time it's going to take me to lose it, I just give up because it's too big. But just like I didn't wake up with 100 extra pounds this morning, 
I'm not going to wake up tomorrow 100 pounds lighter or wake up with a super metabolism or wake up with a pill that solves all my weight issues. No, that's not the answer. See, I have to get up every single day like I do and I've got to feed the Spirit that guides me to making the right decisions that will lead me to the destination that I want to be. But I've got to stay in the fight. I've got to stay in the battle. It's a mistake if I don't. If I'm not engaged, I lose. Because I believe it's in the struggle that we are refined by God. It's in the pressure of the fight. It's in the heat of the battle. This is where we see more than anything that we so desperately need to cling to God because we can't do anything on our own. And I think it's in the battle that we see our need for a Savior. I think the struggle is by design. Designed by God to make us, to shape us, to transform us into the image of His Son, to draw us closer and closer to Him. That's why I think some things we will never be delivered from until Christ returns. And yes, I know, I just told you that we have the power to overcome. And we do. We do have the power of overcome. But I also believe that we will continue to struggle with things our whole life. See, Paul was given a thorn in his flesh. And he asked God three times, God, please take this away from me. But God simply said, Paul, my grace is sufficient. And sometimes that's all we have to hold on to is the grace that God gives us. Paul said this in Philippians. He said, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. See, God continues to work on us and we're only going to be complete and perfect when Christ returns and we're able to shed ourselves of this sinful body. But let me say this, and I'm going to ask the band to come up as we close. Let me say this to you. Just because you continue to struggle and just because God is still working on you does not mean that God has abandoned you. God hears your cries. He hears you in your struggles. He is with you in your struggles. Look at what Paul says next in Romans 8. He says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. See, we can call him Daddy, Father, because we are his children. And just as you love your children, God loves you infinitely more than you could ever understand. And he knows your pain. And he knows your suffering. And he knows your struggles. And he cares all about it. He cares about it all. God does hear your prayers. 
And He is walking with you through it. The question that I've got for you is what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Are you just going to give up? Are you just going to give up? Are you going to wake up every day and reset and submit to God and feed the Spirit and fight this battle? I'll tell you, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight until I lose weight or until Christ returns. I am going to fight. Don't give up. Engage in the battle. Fight! So I'd ask you this today. When the band plays, come up here and kneel at the front of the stage as a symbol of submission to God and pray to Him. Pray to Him that this day forward you will commit to stay in the battle. Pray that you will commit to feed the Spirit and starve your flesh. Pray that you will commit to find somebody to walk with you and give you accountability in your struggle. Pray that God will give you strength, desire, and commitment to stay in this battle. Don't give up. Whatever your need is, if you need me to pray with you or the prayer team, maybe you need to bring a friend with you up here to pray with you. Maybe you just need time between you and God alone. Whatever your need is, please, please come as the band plays. Let's pray. Father, I, I just, I want to thank you for the struggle, God, I do. Because it is in the struggle, God, that you are refining me, that you are shaping me, that you are changing me into the image of your Son. God, I pray, God, I pray that you would just bring healing to all those who are struggling. God, break the pride in us that, that keeps us from submitting to your will, that keeps us from living a life led by your Spirit, that keeps us going back to the flesh over and over again. God, break that in us. God, break that in me. Help me to live my life led by your Spirit the way you want me to live. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.